0: To get around the Word of God, isn't it? Yes. and to worship God through the Word of God, the old saints used to say, "True worship is around the Word of God, because when we hear the Word and it receive it, it brings joy. The Gospel effect, as we said yesterday, is to bring joy and peace. And if you haven't got joy, it's not the Gospel." Good news brings you joy. (laughs) And Peter says it's joy unspeakable and it's full of glory. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful that we've got such good news amongst all the bad news? (laughs) We've got good news amongst all the bad news, haven't we? And so it's wonderful we can come together around this word this morning. You know, we were saying yesterday morning, I was reading 1 Corinthians 11 And I was saying about how Paul was saying about how we, in Jesus said at the end of John 16, in this world you will have tribulation, he said, but fear not, <laughs> I have overcome this world. And in Christ we are overcomers, but we have to remain in union, in communion, and dominion. It's all about union. And, you know, as we, when we break bread like we did, and you feel that communion, there's something vital, life-giving, when you're, lit, you're plugged in to, to th- this wonderful person, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head, and we are the body. And the life is flowing from us, you know, and as we I've been reading these, you know, it says these chapters from uh, the Passover where Jesus took the Last Supper, 14, 15, 16, and 17. These vital chapters where Jesus is giving this discourse to his disciples. And as I said to you yesterday, read these chapters because in them you've got something direct from Jesus, the Lord Jesus to us, his people. And, um, you know, because we said yesterday in this verse, Blessed be the God, in 1 Cor- 2 Corinthians 1-3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Look, we are going through stuff down here. We go through stuff. And we are going through stuff, but we have a Father of of mercies, a God of all comfort who's with us with everything we go through, and it's just tremendous. And we were talking yesterday about Zechariah 8, about and I know I didn't fully explain everything for the sake of time, but as we said, things happen in your life and my life and every believer's life. Some things happen for no reason at all, and other things happen because we've taken wrong steps, in the wrong direction, or we haven't understood fully the purpose and plan of God. As we said about the gospel, it's, it's justification, it's sanctification, it's glorification, but then it goes into what the, the, the Bible teachers call theodicy, which is the purpose and plan of God. And God's got a purpose and a plan for your life and my life that we might function as people of God, as temples of the Holy Spirit that offer up spiritual sacrifices so wherever we go we are a spiritual house offering up spiritual thanksgiving and praise whether it's driving the car or digging the garden or whatever we're doing, there's an attitude coming out of my life of worship and praise so that wherever I am I'm conscious of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm conscious of God, my Father. I'm conscious of the comfort of the Holy Ghost. So I'm learning to walk in the Spirit. I want to give you something that this is what Wigglesworth said. Now, I was very interested when I read this, before I go on to what I want to say, and it's in, it's in 1 Peter 1. And it's... Um, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, scattered throughout right to so-and-so, elect according to the full of Nod, the Father. And there's three things, he says, we are elect. God has elected you. He's chosen you. You know, I was thinking, I didn't really choose the Lord. I was dragged to a glory meeting, sitting there in my green Yorkshire tweed jacket, and I was sitting right in the middle of this quite big technical college meeting, And Henry says, that bloke down there with the green jacket, you come up here. I thought, I'd never been in a church where I'd been invited to the front from the congregation. You know, this was all new to me. And I thought, what is going on? And then he lays hands on me, and I think, what is happening to me? I thought, something is happening to me. (laughs) I could feel this (laughs) coming down on me, you know. (laughs) I thought, what has happened to me? And I went home and I was floating on air. I was just, I thought, everything looked different. Why? Because I'd been quickened. I'd been born. I was just religious before. And suddenly I got quickened. And I remember I came back the next year uh, with well, all the folks from our area. We all drove up, got, met in Evesham. We all drove up this A46 and went to Newark. We're sitting there. And I was sitting again in the congregation... And, and Henry said, "That bloke down there—that was me again." You come up here. I thought, "Not my God again! Not me again!" <laughs> I, I thought, What have I done to do this? And the funny thing—I've been staying in the hotel in the castle opposite the opposite the castle hotel in, in those days. I've been staying there, so looking at this old castle in Europe, and I opened my Bible and opened it up to to uh, uh, to. Um, Zachariah I think it was or was it Jeremiah one of the prophets and I read this 17th chapter and got a clue what I was reading not a clue I, was, I didn't understand any of what I was reading I was reading this and I thought "Why? This, what, what is this all about Lord what is this all about about somebody taking a sprig and taking it somewhere else and it got planted somewhere else and it sprung up and it became fruitful and so I got up there and I said and this, I just said, and Henry said, well, what are you going to say? And I, and I said this, and you know, it was just like the heavens opened. The whole place just erupted. It, I thought, it's got nothing to do with us. It's just us getting a word and speaking it out, and it just happens. And the Lord revealed to me from then on that it's, it's God's word. It's anointed. And it was like, ever since then, I'd read the word and it would be quickened. It was like God gave me this inside information I hadn't had before. I'd read the Bible for years. It didn't mean nothing. Suddenly, everything became alive. It was quickened. And I thought, wow, this is tremendous. It, and it, it is. It's a tremendous thing when suddenly something, you become quickened. You who were dead, hath he quickened. And God wants to quicken you this morning so that you feel this life. You feel this this union. So you have this communion. So you have this dominion. You feel like you're walking, you know, you feel like you know you feel like a giant killer, you know, you've got this anointing on your life, and it's just walking with you, and you think, I can do all things. Now I mean I d I didn't always feel it. I went through some valleys, I've been some dead ends, I've been all all around the block a few times, and you know, you come to your senses and eventually you begin to see things as they should see. But this is what Peter says. We de- we elect according to the knowledge of the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Number one, obedience. Number two, and the third thing is the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. The sprinkling of the blood of Christ. Do you know the power? We you know when you when we take the, you feel this. I felt the power. As we were taking that bread and wine, I could feel, and I thought I could feel something happening. It's, there's a quickening when we link up and touch Jesus. Jesus is a living person. We can. He is moved with the feelings of our infirmities. He wants to touch you exactly where you need to be touched. He wants to heal you, restore you, bless you. That's the whole purpose that Jesus came. And he is our great high priest. What a wonderful thing. And, and you know, I was thinking, this, this is what Wigglesworth said about sanctification of the Spirit. This, this interested me. Sanctification of the Spirit, is, he says, is not referring to be cleansed from sin. It is a higher order of redemption. The blood of Jesus is the all-powerful cleansing and takes away the power and transforms us by the mighty power of God. So when sin is cleansed and dealt with, when we are clean and overcoming, then comes the revelation by the power of the Spirit that lifts us, he says, to higher ground. It lifts us into all the fullness of God and unveils Christ to us. And that's what God wants for you and me. He wants to lift you from, as it were, as as old uh, um, John Bunyan said, he wants to move you from the cross to the throne. Yeah, he wants to move you from the cross to the throne. Yes, you cannot, you cannot can come no other way but through the cross. You can come no other way, but it's sanctification of the Spirit and the Lord's dealing with me. And he may be dealing with you to say, you can walk in the Spirit in a new way that you've never known before. Because as sanctification is the work of the Spirit, Wigglesworth says, that moves you to higher ground. So that you live and walk and walk in the Spirit. Because as you walk in the Spirit, Paul says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Isn't it? <coughs> they are the sons of God. But we've got to understand our position. and You know, Wiggles was teaching us something that he entered into and obviously operated in, wasn't it? That was the power of his spirit-led life that he saw and veiled Christ to him. So when he saw something, he saw Jesus, and Jesus, who is the great I am, could fix whatever was wrong, isn't it? Whatever's wrong in my life, Jesus is I am. Religion says to you, "Oh, tongues is passed away, miracles is passed away. You know, it's all passed away." <laughs> and then glorification is not now; it's heaven. Well, it isn't. It's glory begone below. It's 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 joy unspeakable, Peter says, and full of glory. We're supposed to have this wonderful glory, but yes, we have to come. Via the cross, but we have to move up into what God has got for us. So, sanctification in the spirit, Wigglesworth says, is higher ground. Well, I w- I'd like to get on higher ground. I don't know about you. I'm not scratching around down here anymore. I've had, an, you know, sometimes I start to talk about problems, and Iron says to me, Stop scratching. <laughs> <laughs> Stop scratching. So thank God i got somebody to help me in this. It's very good when you've got a partner, a wife that can put you straight. It's wonderful. That's why I call her St. Adrian. <laughs> 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 but it's wonderful, isn't it? We, we, you know, God has called us to a wonderful life. It's abundant life isn't it? But as we've heard, the table is laid, but most people are brought, as we heard last night, they brought their own sandwiches. But <laughs> 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 it's all laid, you know, as if our sandwiches are going to be good as Lord's sandwiches. It's utterly ridiculous. That's a Martha, that's a Martha complex. <laughs> I've got to work, I've got to do it, and everybody running around, you know, they're scratching everywhere, you know. Move up into higher realms and you'll find that the table's already been laid because Jesus has just fixed it. <laughs> just sit at his feet and it gets fixed, <laughs> doesn't it? And I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm learning. You know, I, I'm, this is the Lord speaking to me. He's saying, You can get deeper, you can move up. Come on. You can get deeper in this and you can get hold of this. Do you know there's more? And there's so much more. It's wonderful. It's tremendous. So sanctification of the Spirit is a thought for you. I'm still thinking about this. I'm still meditating on it. And maybe we've heard it for the first time, like I only heard it not long ago. But I begin to realize that there's something that we have in Christ that is riches. It's true riches. There's nothing like it. It's glorious. It's wonderful. So praise God. But what I, I said to you yesterday morning that when I looked at Zechariah 8, the consequences of Zechariah 8 and what happened, they lost the church, the temple, they lost the city, they lost the country, and they got, they got blockaded. But Jesus said, the good news says, yes, you failed. is what you said yesterday. But as it says in Zechariah, Jesus says, I am now come to Zion to restore everything that has been broken down. But sometimes it's not what we've done. We've just got an enemy that comes against us and he attacks us because we are children of light, right? You've got to understand this darkness in uh, Satan's world is dark, isn't it? He's the God of the dead, isn't he? But Jesus is the God of the living, we're the living. We're not perishing souls. We've been saved. We've been quickened. We've been made alive. We're all lit up. We're all lit up in the spirit. Yeah, we don't know it, but we, you are. You're all lit up. And in the spirit, you're lit up. And there's an enemy wants to fire you down, doesn't he? And as he said about David yesterday, when David got anointed, he didn't choose to be anointed, did he? He didn't say, well, I'm going to go to that meeting and get the anointing, did he? He didn't choose to go. To, he didn't even know, I don't think, that Samuel was coming to the house, did he? I don't think his father Jesse had even told him, he, this little boy on the hills, oh, these seven sons are sufficient, isn't it? And maybe I didn't choose to be in Newark wasn't my idea to go to that meeting. I was taken there. And God chose me. Yeah. God chose me. I'm elect. Oh, I'm elect. Have you been elected? Yeah, I, I'm, part of, I'm part of it. God has chosen me. That's a wonderful thing to be elected, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful to God's chosen you? Yes, yeah, it's wonderful. Isn't it tremendous? Oh, I, I, I think I'm privileged to be in on this. The part, and it's a, and, and the Lord's saying to me, yes, it's sanctification, the Spirit, it's obedience, and it is the sprinkling of the blood. Think about it. That blood is still powerful. That blood is the blood of the Son of God. It's been sprinkled, and still it flows. Oh, yeah. This is tremendous, the power of the blood of Jesus. And we've got to understand, we are not being purchased with silver and gold, but by the blood of Jesus. And it's tremendous. Now, you know... When we talk about justification, sanctification, glorification, we could talk about Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. The first feast was Passover, wasn't it? That's what we remember in, in our church and our communion. And Pentecost is the coming of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. That's the first fruits. But tabernacles is the fullness. It's the fullness. You, I want the fullness, don't you? Don't you want the fullness? Don't you want it all? Yeah? Yeah, don't you want, as we heard last night, just keep eating. You can't, you just, you just can't, and you just get stronger and stronger. There's no obesity in the spirit. You just get bigger. <laughs> you get stronger spiritually because you're feeding that inner man. You know, some people pump this stuff, protein, and they get big muscles, don't they? And then they get problems somewhere else because the you know, body can't handle it. But there's no problem with this. You can just eat, start eating this stuff and you get bigger and stronger. The inner man. This is the inner man, Christ in you, Paul talks about. And as you eat this stuff, you get bigger and you get stronger. Well, I want the fullness, don't you? Yes, I want the fullness. Now, in, in this Feast of Tabernacles, if you study it, they would have to do this in booths. They'd get out of their house, make a booth, and get branches to remind them that they were travelling. When they travelled... They weren't in houses. They were in booths. And in these booths, and, and then they had to rejoice. They, were, they used to rejoice for seven days. Every feast was seven days of rejoicing. You know, we, the famous scripture is Nehemiah 8, isn't it? You've all heard of Nehemiah 8, haven't you? Nehemiah 8. Um Where's Nehemiah? Oh, yes, here it is. Like in the, after Israel. And um, and this is what it says in Nehemiah 8. In, in 10, it says, And he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat. Now, they tell us we're not supposed to eat fat, but it says, Eat the fat. <laughs> Drink the sweet. Not supposed to be having sugar. Stink the sweet. (laughs) Send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry. No sorrow. No sorrow this way. (laughs) For the what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah. It's your strength. Well, are you feeling weak? we will get some joy. <laughs> Isn't it? Well, fullness brings joy. Right, this is tabernacle. And the Levites, still the people, etc., etc. We go in the next minute, and then, it, and then in, verse, um, in verse 12, it says, Make great mirth. <laughs> Make great mirth. <laughs> I don't know what the modern... I should have got an NLT or something. Um... Great mirth, because they had what? Understood. Understood. The words that were declared to them. When you begin to understand what you've got in Christ, you will get very happy. <laughs> you will start to rejoice. But if all you've got is dead religion, you'll have a long coffee pot face and funeral hymns no we 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 got the joy of the lord yeah this is tabernacles we're supposed to have it we're supposed to have the joy of the lord of course we are what 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 did what did david have what was what was all this about the psalmist he understood all these things didn't he the psalmist he, and when he got the ark back, he he understood what the ark represented, and he danced, as, as Alan said. It wasn't one of these uh, things. He said, like, demonstrated to us. It was. I don't know how Alan does it, but he, he's he's a champion dancer. I've seen him on some of the tapes. I don't quite know how he does it, but anyway, whatever. No, it's <laughs> it's it's it's. He danced, didn't he, David? Because he understood. See, when you understand this word and what you've got, you will rejoice. By gum, This is this is not just for now, this weekend. This is for eternity. You can take this home with you. Can't you? This is not a fun park and you've gone to the fun park and you have to go home and leave the fun park. You take the fun park with you. And we've we got, we got this joy with us. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory, isn't it? We're supposed to be enjoying. You know, if you're not enjoying the presence of God, there's something wrong. Oh yeah, there's something wrong with you. The enemy's got at you. Yeah. What does the psalmist say? In his presence is what? It's this word fullness again. Fullness is tabernacles. Yes, we got to have Passover. we got to have Pentecost. Yeah, we need the Holy Spirit, but then there's fullness. there's taba- And the glorification is fullness. It's when you feel completely free. You feel, gosh, I'm on my way to glory and I feel absolutely free. I feel as free as a bird. Yes, and the enemy will try and entangle you. He will try and entrap you. But, you know, if you can understand who you are and what you've got in you, you will, you will mount up with wings as eagles. Do you know, when you start mounting up with wings as eagles, he can't come where you are. He's down here with the scratching ends. <laughs> That's where he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're not chickens, as we say, but eagles. And when we start mounting up as eagles, he can't get up there. Satan is under our feet then. That's how we get up there. We start praying and praising and worshipping God. And I tell you what, we start getting out of what we are into what he is. We get in the spirit then. In the spirit is fullness of joy. Yeah, and we at his right hand there are what? You don't need to go to the pleasure beat and go on the roundabout. No, we got pleasures forevermore. But Satan will dangle his pleasures in front of God's people. He will, and he's done it to a few, and and, he, and we mustn't bite, we mustn't take his pleasures, because if you eat it, it turns to gravel in your mouth, Isaiah says, and you wonder what's happened to you. You lose your joy. But if you can keep walking in the spirit, or as Wigglesworth said, go up to higher ground, move from the cross to the throne, and sit up there with him, everything's going to be different, isn't it? And you know, I was, I was saying that I was saying to you about, that I wanted to share with you what the Lord showed to me about how David... See, David, when he got anointed, as we said, he, he finally had all this trouble in his life. He thought, I was having such a good time on the hills, I now come to my house, my and this man, Samuel, anoints me with oil. I'm now involved with this man called Saul. Yeah. Oh! And this man saw one minute he's wonderful to me, and next minute he's throwing javelins at me, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And then one minute he's giving me his daughter, Mirari, and next minute he's taking me off me. You know, know, you're dealing with a religious nutter now. (laughs) There are religious nuts about, do you know that? You've got to watch people walking around with religion, because they're full of nutty ideas. Yeah. No, we we got we got the right thing. We got the joy of the Lord. You can tell when somebody's got it; they got joy, and they got religion. They they're no joy. No, it's all a bit uh, so pointing the finger and all this nonsense is legalism and legalism and legalism. No, we got joy. And David, you know, he he was doing his best, and there he is. He's 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 now left with six hundred men. He's running for his life for 13 years. He's now in Ziklag, and a border town of Judah, and he's got these 600 men. All these people are discontented and had enough of Saul and had enough of religion, and they got the same vision. They want the glory back. They want the ark back in the presence of God, and that's what I want. I want the ark back in the church. I want the presence back in the church. I'm fed up with dead religion. I want the presence. Don't you? I'm joining this company that we look a bit odd. He looked a bit odd. And we might look a bit odd, but we, we've, got a, we've got something on our minds. We want to see the glory. Yeah, we want to see the presence of God. And praise the Lord, we can have it. If you go for it, you can have it. And I'm not satisfied. No, and David wasn't satisfied. And he knew it. He had it in his mind. And he thought, how can I get to where I need to be to do what I want to be? But you see, he's he's on his way, wasn't he? He was on a journey of faith, now David was. And anyway, let's look at this. It's in Samuel somewhere, isn't it? I want to say everything at once and I can't. Samuel, 1 Samuel right at the end. Right at the end of 1 Samuel. Yes, it's 1 Samuel 30. And here he is, he's serving God. He goes out on his mission. He comes back to Ziklag. They burned the town. They've taken his wives, they've taken his children, and they've taken all his best furniture and his brown sofa. LAUGHTER I'd be very upset if somebody took my brown sofa. <laughs> she doesn't like my brown sofa. <laughs> it's too big because her feet don't touch the ground and it's far too big and it's dark. <laughs> she wants to say, I like my brown sofa. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's pretty discouraging, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's terrible when we hear what happened to the church, Israel... They lost their temple, they lost their city, they became captives and then they got blockaded because somebody murdered somebody they appointed to be the leader and God said to them, I am come. Look here, no matter what your situation is, Jesus is I am, isn't he? And this is the point, isn't it? Anyway, they go and uh, it says in Ziklag and the smitten Ziggler, taking the women captives, slew in not any great and small, and carried them away, and David main came to the city. Interestingly enough, he had two wives. Uh, two wives he had. And it, the names of these wives were, <coughs> i got it here somewhere. Um, the names of these wives are in, Verse five. a what? Verse five. Verse five, yeah. Two wives are at Ahineum. I'm glad my wife's not called that anyway. (laughs) That's quite a mouthful. And Abigail's okay. I like the name Abigail, the wife of Nabal. (laughs) Right. But grace and pleasantness, their names, means. So he lost his grace and pleasantness. He he lost his beauty, he lost his wives, he lost his children, he lost his stuff. The enemy come and stole from him. And it says, um, and he said, And David was greatly distressed, in verse 6, the people spoke a stone him, because the soul of this people was grieved, every man, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now there's the secret, isn't it? When the enemy throws everything at you, you've got to know who you are and encourage yourself in the Lord. And you do that through the word of God, don't you? And you know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, and David inquired of the Lord, and he said, bring hither the ephod. Do you know, we have got a person that's better than the ephod? We've got the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We've got him to ask us to open this word so that it no longer is the logos word, it becomes the Rima word, which is the preceding word to me and you, so that as we seek God's face he gives us a word. And this is the secret of David. He was a very gifted man, he was anointed. But you notice every time he met difficulty, faced uh, enemies, Philistines, faced Saul or whatever it was, he always went to the Lord. You know, this is the secret of a man of God and a woman of God. And we, this is what we have got to grasp. And and he um Brought thee and he said, Shall you overtake? And he said, You recovered all. So, number one, in strength encouraged, you get strength. And thirdly, he recalled all the previous help that he'd known from God. There's the secret, isn't it? Think about how God's brought you to where you are. And if God has brought you to where you are. And you can get a word from God. You can get where God wants you to be, isn't it? You can get where God wants you to be. Don't be discouraged when the enemy attacks you for no apparent reason. He attacks you because you happen to be a, son, a child of God in the light, and he's in the dark, and he thinks I'll fire that one down. And he does throw fiery darts at us. But we thank God we've got somebody to protect us, and we yeah. we've got the Lord of Hosts with us. And we? The Lord of hosts is with us. And you know, it says here, he recalled his previous help and he obeyed God's word. And he left 200 men behind and he went and he got this. Now this is what it says in verse 19. And David recovered all. And he took, verse 20, all the flocks, the herds that they drave before them, other cattle, that, this is David's spoil, and they came to the two hundred men, so faint they couldn't follow, etc., etc. And then he had some really nasty blokes in his four hundred men. They said, Well, because we got the spoil and you didn't bother to come, you can't have any. And David said, Oh no. You know, you do get people, you know, like that, don't you? Uh, but he said it goes on, and David came listening to them that went battle. And this is what David did, and this is what I want you to hear before I go on to something else. And so it was in 25, he made it a statute and an ordinance to Israel this day, so that when, and that's how Jesus is, isn't it? You know, if you've got a brother and a sister in, in, in need in your fellowship, and you've got brothers and sisters who are stronger than them, and are able to take what God has made available, you can take that to give to them. Can you? You can help, this, Jesus said, watch and pray for your brethren. And I'm coming to see, this is the secret of spiritual growth in a church, because when you help those in need, they don't forget it. They don't forget it. Isn't it? This is, this is very important, isn't it? You've got to see this. You help those in need. And this is what David made a statute. And David sent, and look at verse 26, came to Ziglag and sent to the spoil to the elders of Judah, even to his friends, and behold a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. And this is where he sent them, to Bethel, to Ramath, to Jatta, to Aurora, to Shifmoth, to Eshtimua, to Raich, to Rakal, or whatever it is, and gerar or something, and the Canaanites, and the Horma, and the Korashan and the Atta, and Hebron. In other words, he blessed his brethren, And he didn't keep that spoil for himself. Oh, no. He just gave it to all the house of Judah. What a wise move that was. What a wise man he was. That was God. And this is the same for us. If God gives you something, distribute it. Oh, yeah. Just just give to somebody you see. And he gave all that spoil to Judah. And the next thing was, Judah said, we'll crown him king of Judah in Hebron. That's the secret, isn't it? Give what you got while you can give it to bless your brethren. And that's the heart of David. And I was thinking, you know, I think about all the spoil. I think uh, Julia once gave us the amount of spoil that David gathered in his lifetime to build the temple. It was billions, wasn't it? The gold and the silver was billions of pounds. Think about it. This is what happens when you walk with the king, as it were. When Jesus is Lord of your life, he's just going to bring everything in for you to give to the kingdom. There's a big secret there. I tell you what, I come to see why David was a man after God's own heart was. He wasn't only a mighty general anointed, but when he received the blessing and the spoil, as we heard uh, Paul say yesterday, the the spoil and under Hezekiah, the spoil... See, Jesus has spoiled principalities and powers. He's got all power in heaven and in earth. And he's come to me that we are living, as somebody said, like the man on the liner on our bread and cheese sandwiches when we pay for the whole meal, for the whole ship, for the whole cruise, you know. It's so ridiculous. I don't want to live. I want to be at that table, as we've heard. Don't you? I want to be eating and drinking and feasting. And as we read in Nehemiah, this fullness is of, this is really what Paul is trying to bring to the church, is the fullness, isn't it? Thank God for Passover, thank God for Pentecost, verse 3, but I want tabernacles. I want to experience them that God is in 1 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 6, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. God dwells in you. And the power of God is available to every one of us. Every one of us. We're all supposed to experience this blessing and this power. And I thought, Lord, help me to understand what I have. You know, it's it's in my house, isn't it? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's It's not somewhere else. It's not out there. It's in you. As Henry used to say, "Is in you, brother, and it is. And I tell you what, I remember, when I've said this before, when I got blessed through Henry, everything I did in business was blessed. Every business that was losing money I went into, is suddenly made a profit. And I knew it wasn't my brain power, it was the blessing of God. Oh yeah, it was the blessing of God on my life. And he used to say to me, how did you turn that round? It was the blessing of God. The blessing of God, what? Makes rich. Oh, yeah, and no sorrow. Oh, yeah, it makes rich. I tell you what, there's nothing like the blessing of God. What do you value in your life? Is it all this, or is it Christ? Oh, I tell you what, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, haven't we? Oh, praise the Lord. That happened last time, didn't it? Yeah. It's the power failure. No, we haven't got a power failure, have we? <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's wonderful, isn't it? Oh, glory. It's a wonderful thing. It's a good job I got good... Oh, I don't know. But Jesus is saying to us, he's giving us good advice... He says in John 16, These things have I spoken to you, they should not be offended. Well, David could have got offended, couldn't he? He could have got offended about Saul. He could have got offended what happened to him. He said, I'm serving you, and all my wives are gone, and all my things. But what was God doing to him? He was going to give him so much spoil. He was going to give him so much spoil, that he not only blessed him, he got everything back, and more, but he could bless the whole house of Judah, and it was paving his way to get him to the throne of Hebron, to get him to the throne of Jerusalem, so he could get the ark back where it was supposed to be, on Mount Zion, and that's the thing: God wants the ark in your heart and life in Mount, you on the throne of your life. And the enemy wants to put doesn't want you to enthrone Christ in your life to have the fullness he wants you to have a bit of this and a bit of that it doesn 't work it's all Christ is all on all isn't he? And I think there's this there's the, there's the, the problem for god 's people. they want this. you notice it's very subtle this very subtle because you in your your Christian life can have families, you know, all this, but are we putting Christ first? Is he number one? And there's the secret, and this was David's heart. He made a lot of mistakes, yeah, but he had one heart, and that was the glory of God and the presence of God, and as soon as he got that ark back, as soon as he came crown king of Israel, he got that ark where he was supposed to be, and it brought fullness, didn't it? Now, I want fullness. I know I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a process. I'm, I'm learning from people like Wigglesworth. He says, it moves you to higher ground. I, I want to walk in the Spirit, don't you? I want to learn to live in the Spirit. I don't want everything anything to get at me and be this old scratching in anymore. I want to get up into the heavenly places and walk with Christ. And you know, when the blessing of God is on you and you're walking with the Lord, everything you do suddenly starts to work out. Oh, yeah, it suddenly starts to work. I remember being in this business in Forrester Dean. They'd had the previous manager up on 72 charges of fraud. He was up to all sorts of things. And I remember it was losing in those days a fantastic amount of money every week. It was a very big entity. It'd be worth millions of, dollars to, millions of pounds today because um, it had an awful lot of equipment. And I remember looking at this and, and I just, and I was thinking, how do you turn something around like this? But that's the blessing of God. Do you know it's supernatural? It's absolutely supernatural, isn't it? The blessing of God will cause whatever you have to increase. You put it in something and it just increases. It just grows. Why? Because the Word of God is a seed. And when you put it into the good ground of a heart that believes, it grows. And It brings forth fruit, why? Because we're in a kingdom of grace, and this is what it's all about. But you see, some people, Jesus says, These things I spoken, do not be offended. We can be offended at all sorts of things, you know that they can really get under our skin. Yeah, they can really. And when we get offended, uh, you can you better be careful because you've become embittered. And when you become embittered, you Paul says, you fail, and Peter of the grace of God. In other words, you fall from your position of grace and grace is no longer abounding towards you and so no longer you can operate in faith. And so the problem is, you see, David had this capacity to always encourage himself in the Lord, to always get a word from God and we've got to learn from him. And no matter what the devil throwed at him at Ziklag, he got through it and came back with so much spoil he could press the whole tribe of Judah and it crowned him king in Hebron. See, in other words, when you know you're in union, communion and union, and you're in communion, you will have dominion. You will. You'll walk in dominion because you're walking in the Spirit. And no wonder Wigglesworth had such power because he'd learned to do what this was, to walk in the Spirit. And so when he looked at something, he didn't look at the problem. He looked at who what, what Christ was, didn't he? the Lord said to me, see, don't look at yourself, just keep looking at me. Don't be offended. This is what Jesus says in John John 16. They shall put you out, it says there. They shall do this and that to you. And he says, I go away. And then this is the big statement in the verse 8. And when he is come, this is talking about the Comforter, the Holy Spirit has come, but he he, of course he hadn't been yet glorified. uh, And he will convict, he will reprove the world of sin righteousness and judgment he says of sin because they believe not of righteousness because i go to my father and of judgment because the prince of this world is cast out and he is cast out he is cast out he's been brought down and i was thinking when we understand what we are and who we are and what god has done for us we will be like david we will be like Saul, Paul. We, we'll, we, we won't, he says. I, I, all these things, I count them. They're just nothing to me, he said. These, it is all these things that are happening to me. He says, because I'm always bearing about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Christ might be manifest in my flesh. Isn't it? The big secret here, eh, mate. Your flesh is not going to like it, see? But thank God, if you're dying in your flesh, the body is dead because of sin, but Paul says the spirit is life because of righteousness. Isn't it? Yeah, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life before, because of righteousness. And if I understand I've got this righteousness, and I have in Christ, and I understand that I've been justified, and I'm in a process of being sanctified to walk in the spirit, I can have the glory and I can have the fullness. So I want the fullness, don't you? I do. I, I, I'm I, believing that God will bless you so that when he blesses you, you can bless somebody else. Isn't that right? Like David, he got all this spoil and he blessed the whole house of Judah. And they said, this guy is a pretty good guy, I think. I think, yes, he, 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 maybe he should be our king. Yeah, maybe we'll... We'll crown him in Hebron. But nobody, nothing comes to people who are mean, you know, clenched fist. But Jesus gives, doesn't he? He gives. He gave his life. And I was thinking, little one, and, and I was thinking, it, this is the, the work of the Spirit in my life. It is that I would understand, I would understand that the that the, the Holy Spirit has come to, to say to To anyone, we need a saviour. Secondly, we need the righteousness of Christ. And thirdly, that Satan is cast out. And he is. He's cast out. And so I believe, you know, I'm just hoping and helping, believing that God will help us to understand these things. As it says, they understood the word in Hezekiah, and so they rejoiced. It's understanding, isn't it? So I pray God will help us in the days ahead, to take hold of what is ours and run with it, isn't it? What God has given to us. I think, well, praise God, it's a wonderful thing. And this is what Jesus says in John 17:2, "As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful thing, isn't it? We got the Lord. I just thank God, you know, for the tremendous work that the Lord has done. Isn't it? It's a tremendous work. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit will help us as we go back, that where you failed, you will not fail again. Mm. That where you slipped up, you will not slip up. Isn't it? that where you've been weak, you'll get strong, isn't it? Because, you know, this walk in the Spirit, it's a learning process, do you know that? It's a learning process. We have to learn to walk in the Spirit, because our walk in the Spirit is very, connect- very closely connected to a little member that's in our mouth, and it's called the tongue. Because <laughs> actually, what you say is where you walk. Isn't it? You know, it's what you say is the problem after time, isn't it? And if, you know, as as one great old preacher says, before you say anything, stop and think. And if you feel like saying the wrong thing, put your hand over your mouth and shut up, he said. (laughs) And that's true, isn't it? You know, because sometimes... uh, I I want to say something, and I always say, stop scratching. Yeah, we've got to stop scratching and start praising. Do you know what what scratching does? It gives you an irritation. (laughs) (laughs) And in the end, you'll be quite irritated. (laughs) And there's nothing worse than being irritated, is there? I always remember we were going back one year from this convention, and, and I said to Irene, you've got the checkbook to pay for the whatever it was. Now she said, no, you've got the checkbook. Well, it, it, it started to get into quite a big blown-up argument, this. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I was thinking back, I, we don't do that anymore, thank the Lord, we, 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 We're learning to walk in the spirit. <laughs> And because we got to blind eye for synagogue somewhere, and we we took the wrong turning because we were arguing, you know, about this checkbook, we ended up in the middle of Snowdonia somewhere. (laughs) And that bloke said to the bloke, oh, oh no, he said, you're miles out of your way down here. He said, you're miles out of your way. You see, when you start getting irritated, everything starts to go wrong. (laughs) And you go in the wrong direction. You're not walking in the spirit, are you? So it's all linked to your mouth, isn't it? Your walk is your mouth, isn't it? And th- there is the test for us, isn't it? You know, if, if David had shot his mouth off, those, those men would have probably stoned him. They wanted to stone him, didn't they, is it like? They did, they wanted to stone him. If he'd have shot his mouth out and said, you ugly bunch, you know, and called them everything under the sun, and, and you know, they would have stoned him. No, he held his peace, he strengthened himself in God, and he got a word from God. And so there, there is sanctification. The spirit starts here, in the mouth, the tongue, isn't it? And you know, James says the tongue is a little member, and it can set on fire a whole place. He said, "It can, can't it? It can set on fire a whole place." But you know, the Lord is helping me. He shut me up lately. Thank God. Yeah, he's, he's, he's teaching us to walk in the Spirit. And your walk in the Spirit is directly connected to what you say, isn't it? So I'm believing, you know, Jesus says, if thou wilt, didn't say complain about the mountain, did he? No, he didn't. He said, if you will say to the mountain. As we read in Zechariah 4, it doesn't say the, mount, uh, the, the, the mountain, he says, cry grace, grace to it. And as we said, grace is available in the person of Christ for every situation, but faith is the avenue or the conduit through which it comes. There's no, there's no shortage of grace for you. When Paul complained about the Jews, you know, comp- were trying to kill him, and they were, they did their every best to kill him, and they were hounding him from city to city, and, and this, this thorn in his flesh, his dear countrymen, and, and, he said, and he said, Lord, can you please remove... And the Lord said, no, I can't remove the Jews. They, they live, you know, they're, they're people. I can't remove that thorn, because they're, they're real people. I just can't remove a whole Jewish nation. You couldn't, could he? And he said, but my grace is sufficient for you. And, you know, we go through stuff in life, and we feel like having the screaming abdubs. But no... We've got grace available, and, and the Lord is teaching me to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, and to move up to a higher level. I want the glory in my house. Do you? Do you know you can grieve the Holy Spirit? And He just leaves you. Yeah, your attitude, what you say, what you think is so important, so important. David said, let the meditation of my heart be what? Yes. Yeah. It's the meditation of my heart, isn't it? It's a heart job, as Henry said. And I'm coming to see it's all about me keeping my heart with all diligence. For out of my heart, it says in Proverbs 4, flow the issues of life. You see, and Jesus says in John 7, out of your innermost being shall flow what? Rivers of living water. Well, you can block that river. Unbelief, bitterness, wrong talking, gossip. As I told them that story on Sunday morning about the three women, you know, yeah the three women did you hear that? you you some of you went there the three women the three sisters said in this church we're going to get ourselves built up in the faith we're going to start praying together we're going to read james 5 and he says pray together and confess your faults one to another so these three sisters got an huddle and uh, one said to one sister well what's your what's your problem she says i eat too much chocolate Every time I see chocolate, I'm stuffing chocolate. I can't stop it. It's the fault I'm asking the Lord to deliver me from chocolate. The other one said, well, it's clothes with me. I buy so many clothes. When I get home, I've got nowhere to put them. All my wardrobes are full. And and so they said to the third one, what's your problem? And she she was really quiet. And she said, well, I can't really tell you. (laughs) Well, he said, we've told you, we're supposed to be in fellowship now. You're supposed to tell me what is your fault. And she said, well, I'll have to tell you then. It's a gossip. And she says, I'm leaving now because I can't wait to tell all the others what your faults are. <laughs> yeah, and this is a problem, isn't it? Some people's tongue is, is loose. And it, it, it devalues them. It takes them out of their position in Christ. Your walk is your talk, isn't it? And so the Lord is helping us all, isn't he? He's helping us all to walk in the spirit. I'd like to move up higher, wouldn't you? I'd like some of the fullness in my life. I'd like to know the fullness of the blessing. Look at Abraham. He was blessed. He's our example. What does Galatians 3 say? The gospel has come to remove the curse that the blessing of who? Abraham might come on us, the Gentiles. Jesus has removed the curse to give us the blessing. And it's a wonderful thing to be blessed. <laughs> There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And Abraham was blessed. Extraordinarily blessed. Yeah. Extraordinary. Why? Because he believed God, it says, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, isn't it? It was accounted to him for righteousness. And he stayed away from a lot of trouble in Lot. He kept himself sanctified, separated, walking with God, didn't he? And, and, and the Lord said to me, you can do the same. I said, thank you, Lord. The greater one in me can enable me and you to walk by faith and not by sight. So praise God. Are we rejoicing in him? I think it's tremendous. I think it's wonderful. The Lord is teaching me. I wake up every morning and I sit at his feet. I think, what have you got to say to me today, Lord? And as, as we're saying to John, they said, you know, the word of God is so big, it's, it's like the universe. It's so big, there's no end to it. You just think, what? The depth, the height, the width, the breadth. And God is continually wanting to unveil himself to us. His wiggles were said, that he might unveil Christ to us in all his fullness. So what is your problem? Jesus is the great I am, isn't it? He is the great I am. Praise the Lord. So I'm I'm so thrilled with Jesus this morning. Let's lift our hands to the Lord and worship the Lord. Let's give him thanksgiving and praise for this wonderful atmosphere of God's power and blessing. We thank you, Lord, that you come to lift us up, Lord. You come to bless your people and increase them, Lord, and to give them fullness. That, Lord, we might be a blessing like David was, that we gather in all the spoil, as it were, from the riches of your grace to bless your people, to bless your house, to bless those in need, Lord, that they might find this wonderful, wonderful fullness of joy and these rivers of living water. Lord, we pray that the rivers will flow this day. Tonight, Lord, and to this day in our lives, that we'll experience a new day with you, a new beginning, that our hearts will receive from you and from your presence, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you for all your blessings. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and it addeth no sorrow with it. We thank you, Lord. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We receive from you, Lord. We pray, Holy Spirit, now you minister to whatever need is in this gathering. Whatever the need is, Lord, you can beat that need. We thank you, Lord, whether it's financial, physical, or emotional, or whatever it is. Father God, I thank you that you fix fixed so many things for me. I'm so grateful, Lord, and I know that the Lord can do it for each one of us here. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your blessing, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're able to meet every need that we have as we seek you in this place this morning, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that our eyes will be open to see and to hear the wonders of your kingdom. That, Lord, as you prayed in John 17, you said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. We thank you, Lord, and the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. We thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord. Oh, we just wait upon you, Lord. We thank you for this time, Lord, together. We thank you for each one. We thank you for their lives, Lord, that you've collected them and called them to the kingdom for such a time as this, Lord, and that you're wanting to pour out your spirit upon them in abundance. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord.